there were two major evils of the 20th century. In many ways, they were very much alike. Both repressed their people. Both were responsible for the slaughter of millions of innocents. These were totalitarian states, and the government was God. I'm speaking, of course, about the blight of communism and Adolf Hitler's Nazi Germany. Our nation, the United States of America, fought and defeated both. Communism and Nazism were two sides of the same coin, brutal, dictatorial, and collectivist. The good of society, in their mind, overwhelmed any semblance of individual rights or liberty, and everybody lost as a result. By contrast, America was built on the notion of individual rights and liberty. The government is not supposed to be boss, but rather we the people. Liberty wins. We beat the Nazis and the commies. But our greed and our complacency allowed the weed of collectivism to take root and threaten the very liberties that make us great. It's a philosophical question, but has some profound political implications. This is going to impact your wallet and, more importantly, our nation's future. Join me in the Economic War Room, where we will find solutions with Dr. Gil Emilio and Dr. Rod Martin. In the Economic War Room, we meet with amazing people all the time. People like uh, Alan West and Dr. Ben Carson, Nigel Farage, Star Parker, Lieutenant General Stephen Quast, Major General Bob Dees, Jackie Deason, Gordon Chang, Glenn Beck. These people come through the Economic War Room, and we're constantly looking for solutions. We're talking about the Economic War and how we can win it. These brilliant people come here because we are solution-oriented. We bring solutions to economic problems and economic solutions to global problems. But free enterprise is being strangled, and individual liberty is being crushed, and we work on that as well. Your rights are being eroded. It's a collectivist effort, and we're facing all enemies, foreign and domestic. So we bring in top people, and we sound the alarm, and we also craft solutions. And you get a glimpse of that on a weekly basis, you know, a half an hour a week or so. But more importantly, you get access to our economic battle plans. Those are the real solutions for how we solve these problems. You're more than viewers. You're economic patriots, and you have a role to play. We're facing an army of woke corporations. Who would ever imagine that Coca-Cola, I mean Woke-Cola, would be telling their employees to be less white, or telling Georgia how to run their elections, or Hasbro, a toy company, would be shaming kids because they're of the wrong race, saying that, you know, babies two months old are racists. And yet, according to whistleblowers, that's what's happening. Or the NFL saying, we're the gay NFL. Or the NBA preaching that we have to be tolerant towards China, but oppose freedom in Hong Kong. How did that happen? The answer is, it's all about the money. The Chamber of Commerce has been bought off by foreign interests, and domestic Marxists are using the ESG movement and ESG scoring to take control of American companies. And it's really your money that's paying for all this nonsense, and now it's threatening your basic liberties. There's no freedom of speech. You say the wrong thing, you get to be canceled. And it's not the government officially doing this. They've privatized the oppression and they've let corporate giants do their bidding. This is blatantly unconstitutional, but it is happening. We saw this firsthand when Press Secretary Saki admitted that the White House was flagging Facebook posts for misinformation. Then she said that anyone who violates the government narrative on one social media should be banned on all social media. Let me quote to you from Dinesh D'Souza, who wrote in the Epic Times. 
He says the government is basically using private actors to perform a function that if the government performed it would flagrantly contravene the Constitution. Fortunately, the Supreme Court recognizes this. In a landmark 1973 case, Norwood versus Harrison, the Supreme Court held that government may not induce, encourage, or promote private persons to accomplish what it constitutionally is forbidden to accomplish. It's uh, going on from D'Souza. It says, it's fascist governments that perfected the technique of making private companies do their bidding. The Nazis called this uh, Gleichaltung, a term which means coordination. The Nazi goal was to bring the entire private sector into lockstep with Nazi ideology, and in no area was this forced conformity more aggressively enforced than in the domain of free speech. Here's the problem. Your investment dollars are making all this possible if you own shares and stocks through index funds or if you fail to exercise your voting rights as an investor. The good news is that today is your liberation day. This is the day you wake up and take back your freedoms. But you're going to need good information. Now, we have two amazing patriots coming into the economic war room for you to meet. One was the chairman and CEO of Apple, arguably the most powerful corporation in America and maybe the world. The other is our good friend, Dr. Rod Martin. Now, Rod is an incredible critical thinker. He studies all of these problems with us. He's a friend of the Economic War Room, and he's on the board of the National Security Investment Consultant Institute, where we're training financial advisors. What we're doing is taking these smart people in the Economic War Room, and we're bringing solutions. And the solution today is wake up and weaponize your money. You know, if you own stock in a corporation, you have a vote, and you need to exercise that vote. And when you give... Your giving needs to be given towards causes that will promote liberty and not oppose liberty. What these big companies are doing at the behest of the government, admitted by the the press secretary, is they're stripping you of the rights that you've been given by God and that are enshrined in our Constitution. There's probably no more important battle than we're facing today than the one that I'm talking about right here, right now. So we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Gil Emilio. And later in the program, we'll talk with Dr. Rod Martin. So stay tuned for solutions from the Economic War Room. One of the great business minds, one of the great corporate leaders, one of the great entrepreneurs of the past couple of decades is my friend, Dr. Gil Emilio. And he's joined us back in the Economic War Room where we're going to find solutions to some of this wokeness that's going on in American companies. Gil, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be here, Kevin. You know, we serve on a corporate board together. We do. Uh, I'm only on one public board, but you've been on a number of public boards in your career. Uh, How many and what? Well, I I can't remember all of them, but I will say AT&T, Apple, uh, National Semiconductor, Collective Therapeutics, which we served on on together, and a number of others. And you've been active in a lot of startups, which aren't public company boards, right? That's that's correct. So tell me, what's the goal of the corporation? The goal of the corporation is to build a successful business. And if you build a successful business, you will return, create returns to the investors who help finance that uh, that company, uh, as well as contribute to our society and to the to the world. Sure. 
Absolutely. That seems pretty simple to me. So what do you think? Lately, we've seen all these activist investors with woke ideas where they want the corporation, for example, ExxonMobil, uh, three directors were just elected with the goal of destroying the fossil fuel industry on the board of ExxonMobil. What do you think about that? Uh, I, 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 I don't like it. I don't like it because, because the real role of corporate governance is to look out for the, the good of the shareholders. Make sure that the business is being run properly, it is adhering to all of the uh, local and federal laws, it's, it's compliant with all of the best known practices of running the business, but most importantly, you want to build a big successful business that creates wealth for the shareholders. And anything else you're doing is a distraction from that fundamental mission. Why do you think that's happening? I mean, these social and political agendas are being forced into the companies. I think that's been a problem for a long time, frankly. I think, I think there have been many attempts to do this. This, this has been more um, recently has, has been, been more, more concerning to me because it seems to be that uh, they're, getting, they're finding enough people to, to, to want to do this. Uh, I think the shareholders really ought to stand up and speak out. I think one of the problems we're having is, is uh, this is a side effect of index investing, to where people just buy an index of stocks and then they leave it to, their, uh, to the company that runs the index to do all the proxy voting, which would be like BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard. I don't think people themselves are voting their shares any, any longer. Well, I can't, I'm not an expert in that, I will say, uh, say that, but my, my, my fundamental belief is, is that even if you are voting for the, the shareholders as a custodian, that you should be reflecting what, the, what their wishes and what their interests are. If you're doing so without their, uh, their guidance and their input, then I think you're, you're, you're out of bounds. No, I, I completely agree on that. I, and I think that even the proxy voting services that used to be, you know, because it's hard. I was investment manager at Templeton. It's hard to know uh, every director and every issue in every company that you invest in. So you rely on a proxy voting service. But the, the two one, um, Glass-Lewis and ES&S, they seem to have both gone so woke that they're not caring for the interests of the shareholders anymore. That's not their mission. No. So... How would you feel if one of the political parties, either one, let's say uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats or Donald Trump and the Republicans, either one of them uh, found a way to take control of corporations and run them for political benefit? What, what would that say? Well, that would be a big blow to capitalism in our country as we know it and have known it since the beginning. Uh, we are a country based on the principle of certain human and human rights. And uh, those, those, those rights can only be for the benefit of the citizens of the country. They cannot be to serve some minority group's political agenda. So we are clearly out of bounds on, on this. It is a violation of, in my opinion, it's a violation of the Constitution. You know, it's interesting. We've talked before about when you served on the board of a Chinese-based company. Yes. Tell, tell that story about the directors in the back of the room. 
Well, this is an interesting story. Uh, I showed up for these, uh, these meetings, and uh, at every one of these meetings, there were three gentlemen sitting at the table who never introduced themselves to me and who I was never introduced to, and who never said a single word at any board meeting that I attended. Um, and uh, at dinner, uh, on the, after the first meeting, I asked the CEO uh, who those gentlemen were. They said, well, they were representatives from Beijing, mm -hmm. and uh, they are here to make sure that uh, we're, uh, we're, we're doing what they think is right. And I said, well, how do you, how, how do you feel about that? He said, I have no choice. So um, I don't think we want to run business this way. No. No. In fact, that's where I think we're headed if we're able to, you know, if somebody with 1% of the shares, I think it's Engine One was the activist group, 1% of the shares backed by the big index funds and the proxy voting services, and they elected like a quarter of the ExxonMobil board to put ExxonMobil out of business. That seems like that's a political agenda that's not, that's communist China, right? Uh, well, uh, it's, it's communist China and any other form of communism you want to talk about. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and the other thing is, is that when we talk about these things, if you start tweeting them or putting them on uh, YouTube or whatever, then you get censored. Potentially, uh, the press secretary said, yeah, the government can look at your uh, social media posts and can determine whether or not they're misinformation or good information, and then they can ask the social media companies to ban you if you're saying something contrary to the government narrative. Uh, that scares me too. It's a violation of freedom of speech. Well, it's, and, it's a clear violation of the Constitution. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and, I, and just to continue on that theme, I think a lot, of, a lot of what we're seeing going on is in violation of the Constitution. And I think that, it's, that, that Amer the Americans need to stand up, citizens need to stand up and say, enough. Let's, let's quit abusing the Constitution, let's respect it. it, it in, my, in my opinion, uh, the founding documents of our country were the most brilliant documents that have ever been published uh, setting aside the Bible uh, in the history of humanity. What are we doing to, to, to it? Res what we should do is respect it and recognize the power that it gives, gives this country. This country was built on those principles. Do we want to throw that away? I don't think so. Well, and you know, you, you're doing some great things, uh, Gil. Not only are you standing up, standing on the corporations, but you as an entrepreneur are helping other entrepreneurs uh, one thing that pops to mind when we talk about free speech is XOTV.me, where you're allowing creators to speak freely. Tell us about XOTV. XOTV is a company my friend Franz Russell uh, started. When he uh, thought about starting it, he came to me first and he said, uh, gee, I'm thinking about starting this company and this is what I want to do and will you help me? And I said, sure. And, uh, and, and uh, the, the idea was that there's a lot of people out there who have, or frankly, earned their living by creating content that is of interest to people. And, uh, and what all the platform does is gives those people a platform to stand on and present whatever it is that they're doing. They're doing. One 
You could be an entertainer, you could be a horse ranch manager, you could be whatever. Give those people a place to, get, to, 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 to come and tell their story and tell why they're doing it and how they're doing it. And it turns out a lot of people are interested in these things. A lot of people out there, and what we, we, we're growing rapidly in this company, not only by increasing number of creators, but also more and more uh, audiences coming to observe this. But, but we, the, the rules we set are a very limited set of rules. And those, those rules are just the, all the basic obvious things re related to bad taste and vulgarity and things like that that they can't do. Other than that, we give them freedom of speech. Uh, that is not the case with something like YouTube where you can be, without your permission, your content can be edited by YouTube to suit their agenda. And we felt like since that, that was the wrong thing to do, and so I enthusiastically got behind Franz's idea to create XOTV, and we're doing great. Uh, it is fabulous. Uh, Economic War Room, as you know, is one of the pioneer platforms available on XOTV. And you're right, YouTube has censored, taken down a number of our videos. There was nothing false or misleading or vulgar or anything else in the video, but they just took it down. Why? Because they have a political agenda. And that's what we've just been talking about. We can't go away from the Constitution. So, Gil, thank you so much for standing up for the Constitution. We're going to have to take another break, and when we come back, we'll talk with our mutual friend, uh, Dr. Rod Martin, about how you and other economic patriots can be part of turning this whole thing around. I'm looking forward to that. You just heard from Dr. Gil Emilio, the man that introduced me to Gil, my friend, Dr. Rod Martin. Rod, welcome to the Economic War Room. Good to be here. Let's talk. We've been talking about the woke capitalism and how it really is uh, government-induced and government-supported privatized communism. Um, and we were talking about solutions. How do we turn this ship around? Well, it is that. And, of course, you know, we can get into how that is really just another term for fascism. But the fact of the matter is you just had Gill on, and it really needs to be said, and I've said it in Forbes and other places, but... Gill is really the guy who saved Apple. And, you know, there have been a couple movies now about Steve Jobs, and who isn't a fan of Steve Jobs? I mean, he's awesome. And, and you know, I, I was a fan when I was a little bitty kid. But the fact is, in January of 96, when Apple had become nothing but a project in channel stuffing and was literally going under, you know, the... The former CEO was coming to the board meeting to say, you know, let's sell this thing at any price. You know, the, the board wisely said, no, let's bring in Gil Emilio. He's turned around National Semiconductor. He's turned around the division of Rockwell. He's an amazing guy. He's been an Apple board member. And they brought Gil in. And in 500 days, Gil transformed that company and laid out the product roadmap, including the iMac that, that Steve Jobs followed religiously for the next five years. About the only thing in that time that Jobs came up with of his own was the, was the iPod. And, you know, 
cut $250 million in expenses per quarter while he was CEO, you know, got the ship righted. And if it had, and by the way, raised $800 million in about 90 days, I mean, nobody could have done that. Steve Jobs said nobody but Gil Emilio could have done that. So, so the reason that I am swimming in Apple products today, as is the rest of the world, is really the guy you just interviewed. So I just wanted to get it said. Yeah, it absolutely needs to be said. We were talking about the purpose of a corporation, the purpose of a board, he exemplifies that. He's the guy. He looked out for the shareholders and all of the benefits that we have from Apple today, we really do owe to Gil Amelia. And it really has transformed the world. It's not just cool gadgets. It's really, really changed how we live in fundamental ways. So, you know, what you were talking about before, yes, if if you sort of privatize authoritarianism, totalitarianism, we call this fascism. It's not actually different from communism except in methodology. Methodologically, the, the international socialists uh, go about this by, by actually collectivizing everything, nationalizing industries, collectivizing farms, and so forth. Massively and, killing anyone who disagrees. And they have to kill millions of people in the process, as you've seen in China, as you've seen in Cambodia, as you've seen in Russia. But the actually more successful approach to this that has been adopted by the extreme left wing of the Democratic Party is properly called fascism, or as it was called in one country, national socialism, in which you actually leave people the appearance of ownership, just not the reality of it. The number one country on the planet that practices this today, by the way, is actually China, which is in a sense, aping what Lenin did in the 20s with the new economic policy. When the economy of Russia was in the toilet because of the Civil War, uh, Lenin realized, well, we got to do a little capitalism to be able to get things revved up again before we, you know, kill everybody and take their stuff. And so you're seeing that again, the, the fallout of the nightmare of the Cultural Revolution gave you an environment in which Deng Xiaoping would increasingly liberalize. And people in the, in the United States and the West generally took this as movement toward democracy. It's nothing of the sort. It's developing the wealth to be able to take on and defeat the West. And then if you read Xi Jinping, if you read all these guys, they could not be plainer that the minute they reach their goal, they're recollectivizing everything. All of this so-called capitalism goes away. Well, and you know, that's the funny thing is here, we're kind of voting for it or allowing it to happen, not just with our elections, political elections, but we're watching it happen in the corporate boardroom after corporate boardroom. Instead of electing uh, great directors like Gil Emilio who want to serve shareholders, uh, we're electing stakeholder, woke capitalist types, and they're not capitalists by any means. They're literally taking control of the companies to serve the collective, and that's fascism. Stakeholder capitalism is nothing of the sort. Stakeholder capitalism is what is being practiced in China, where you know, you've got a board, sure, but there are a couple guys in the back of the room that they may not even tell you their names, but they have a veto over everything. And that's what you're seeing with ESG investing in the United States now. Increasingly, you have people who are literally opposed to the very existence of the company who are making decisions. And 
that will increasingly, if the left gets its way, be imposed at the governmental level. That's certainly what we saw in Germany, where all corporate board members were appointed by the state. And that's the direction that this is heading. So what's the solution? How do we solve that? Well, the immediate solution is to use every bit of firepower we currently have to defend liberty. And the biggest firepower we have is our money. I mean, the fact is there are trillions of dollars of invested and investable capital that are just being thrown at whatever looks like it might have a good return. Well, okay, that's fine, but be a little more strategic. You can make a great return while investing according to, you know, they have their environmental, social justice, corporate governance agenda. Why not liberty security values? and actually promote the kinds of companies doing the kinds of things that buttress liberty and advance the United States. And at the same time, you actually have to look at this from a legal point of view too. What Facebook is doing in conjunction, Twitter, uh, with the Biden administration is just fascism. There's no other word for it. It is, it is the government outsourcing totalitarian controls to a private organization. Well. We have case law on that. The Marsh versus Alabama decision leaps to mind where a, a company town, one company owned everything in the town. And the Supreme Court held in 1945 that you're functioning as a quasi-governmental entity, therefore you are bound by the Constitution and Bill of Rights. And that has to be applied to these social media giants. So how do we weaponize our money? You talk about that's the answer. How do we do it? Tell us about your role at ANSIC. Well, I have the privilege of being on the board with you. You, of course, have founded the, the National Security Investment Consultant Institute. We're going to train 10,000 financial advisors over the next few years, uh, in, in part in partnership with Liberty University. We're going to do this uh, in part through their, their online education platform. They have the best in the world. They have 120,000 full-time students at Liberty University now. We're going to train these advisors. 10,000 advisors would represent a trillion dollars in capital. That's a lot of money. And if you can actually deploy that in a way that results in corporate board elections that, for instance, you just heard, I'm sure, about Exxon adding three ESG board members out of a total of 12 board members whose express stated aim is to get Exxon out of the oil business entirely, which is insane. I mean, that's it's like just commit suicide. So, you know, we need to be able to use our money in a way to advance shareholder returns. And you say, well, that sounds kind of greedy and mean. No, the shareholders are your Aunt Sally Sue in a rest home in Sarasota. The shareholders are pensioners. The shareholders are, are the little guys who are counting on these companies to steward their money well. And if you take away from them the ability to get a decent return, they become wards of the state. They're dependent on Social Security while the government spins itself into oblivion. It is essential that we defend grandma's earnings. If we don't, she's a pauper. She's on the street. And this is the reality. The left talks about taking care of the elderly. The left doesn't care. No, that's absolutely right. And the way that we have to do this is with the small ships. We talk about Dunkirk all the time. 
We say that, that the small ships rescued the men on Dunkirk. It's up to us, the economic patriots, those who follow economic war room. If you have a financial advisor, you need to have them get trained at the NSIC Institute training with Liberty University. You can find out more about this at economicwarroom.com. We have a special thanks to Dr. Rod Martin and Dr. Gil Emilio. They brought us absolute truth of how corporations are being stripped from freedoms. They're taking away your freedom right now, but corporations can also bring back those freedoms if you will stand up as an economic patriot. You can learn more about this and get your free battle plan at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from The Economic War Room.